Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you the reason that we know this story is this it just so happened on that day that the the two pilots of that chopper were both wearing GoPro cameras and they decided to hit on as they, they took off for this mission. You can watch this mission. As he sets the sergeant in the in the chopper, he leans over and he kisses him right here on the forehead, taps him on the side of his cheek and says, I gotta go. And he runs back out to grab some of the Afghani soldiers that have been hit in the fight. And brings them to the chopper. And they take off. What causes someone to do that? I wrote this in your notes. It says commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do. Long after the mood you set it in left you. See commitment is a decision. And that's God's way. God says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me and you're going to be all in. And God wants you and I to be faithful to the commitment and he will enable you to do that. And that's what God has called us to. What's the test of commitment? In your notes, I gave you two two uh, verses on this. The test of commitment is life. Jesus said this in 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. See, the test of commitment is, is am I willing to, to set down what's most important to me for somebody else? Example, you know, I'm watching the Indians beat up on the Cubs. And Jennifer needs my help on something. Really? That is not, that is not the example God wants us to have, is it? It's okay, dear, I'll be right there. Why? Because I've made a commitment to the relationship over myself. It's a change in thinking. Only God can bring that back. Look at this. This is John chapter 15, 12 through 14. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Step into the messes of people's lives. Give them hope and touch them with love. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Listen. Exceptional commitment means I'm going to love people and I'm going to step into their lives and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Now be clear. I'm not inviting you to a codependent enabling relationship. If someone is doing something that is doing damage to their life or other people's lives, you got to know you're not helping them by feeding that source. And, and God doesn't want you to do that. You need his wisdom in that process. But what you do need to do is this. You need to say, Lord, 
My time, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? Because see, God called us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourself. And that's why it's important to every relationship. Because if you have that mindset on, it doesn't matter if you're at school, if you're at work, if you're at home with your family, or it's just the two of you. So did you know that God gave you actually a chemical, biological trigger to help you be an exceptional person? That's part of the reason these, these soldiers can do this. The part of the reason that, that, that you as a parent can do what you do for your children is God designed you for that. He gave you that ability. You've heard the stories, right? You've heard the story, you know. 16-year-old girl weighs 80 pounds, rips door off car to rescue baby, you know? You're like, that's freaky. Well, that's because she's not Supergirl. It's because those, those hormones rush through your body. God has designed you and I with whatever we need for the life that we have. Look at this verse from Luke 6.31. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. God's not going to command you to help other people and to love other people if he's not going to give you the ability to do it. And he even goes so far as to design you with hormones that will kick in to help you. Let me, let me, let me give you another example. An example. This, this story is also from Afghanistan. This time it's, it's nighttime. It's 2002. It's August. And there's a group of special forces that have to make their way up into the, the mountains. They've got air cover on this night. Two guys are flying these planes right here, A-10 Warthogs. These planes are kind of interesting planes. They're actually, they're kind of slow in one sense, and, and they're designed to fly low to give air cover. And, and, and the reason they go slow is so they can, they can shoot for a longer time, and then they can just jet off and, and, and curve at the right time. They're, they're an interesting plane. They're, they're kind of like a tank in the air, all right? Well, on this night, 22 special forces are headed up this valley, all right? They're marching up this valley. There's actually cloud cover on that night. The two guys in the plane, the, the, the lead uh, pilot, he goes by the call sign Johnny Bravo. So he stands around like this, you know what I'm saying? Well, Johnny Bravo and his wingman are up in the air. It's actually a beautiful night up there. They can see the stars. They see the top of the, the puffy clouds. It's beautiful. But because of that, it's extremely dark down below. And this team going up in the valley, yes, they have the cover of darkness, but they also have no way to see what's going on. It's a very difficult thing. There's another problem. In 2002, the A-10 Warthog did not yet have the ground-hugging radar systems that we have right now. So before Johnny left the base that night, he had to open up the maps and look at them and see where they were going. The only maps they had were made by the Russians when they were fighting the Taliban. They weren't the most reliable source in the world. They were old maps. But he looked at them. He got an idea <laughs> of this valley and what everything looked like. And they took off on that night. Now, the, the crew of 22 guys is marching up this valley in the darkness. They know the Taliban are there. And they, they're, they're, they're headed up, up there. And there's kind of an uneasiness going on inside their gut. They're kind of concerned. And Johnny fills it up above the clouds. He says, I'm going down to check on these guys. He drops down through the clouds. 
as he hits that, he kind of gets some turbulence. All right. And about the time he's dropping through the turbulence in the crowd clouds, he hears the guys on the radio. Johnny, we need you now. Now we got to have you now under fire. Okay. He drops through the clouds into the darkness and it, the night is lit up with tracer fire coming from three different directions on his team. Johnny immediately, immediately grabs the, the trigger on the stick and pulls it to start shooting at these guys. But he knows what the valley is like. It's pitch black and he knows he's headed for a mountain cliff, a sheer cliff ahead. He remembers his maps and he says, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, pulls back the yoke and pulls up right before he hits the cliff. Goes up into the clouds, pulls back around, comes back down, pulls the trigger, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, back, goes back up. He hears a radio from down below. That's good. That's good. Do it again. Do it again. Comes back around, comes down into the valley, pulls the trigger, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. He pulls up. That was the end of his ammo. Comes up through the clouds and they say, can you do it again? He pulls along his wingman. He says, listen, man, we need you to go down there. I'm going to lead you. They both pull back down through the clouds. All right. Now this time, Johnny knows he got to do this just right, baby. His wingman, his wing is just three foot from Johnny's wing. They pull down there. But you got to realize something. Johnny's now a target. He's a target. These guys are shooting tracer fire towards him. And he has nothing to shoot back. His buddy pulls the trigger on the plane. And he hears Johnny next to him going, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, pull up. They pull up. They do it three more times. And they, they enable that team to go home safely that night. When Johnny was interviewed, they asked him, they said, what, what, what causes a guy like you to do something like that? Where did you get that? He said, ah, oh, they'd all do that for me. Any one of my guys would do that for me. See, there's a loyalty that's built when, when, when you see someone else lay down their life for you. But did you know there's a chemical reaction that happens in your life that kicks in and it creates this bond, this bond between another person. Now you know you can trust them, that they love you, that they'll lay down their life for you. See, when you and I show commitment and faithfulness in that, it creates a bond. But you and I have an enemy and that is self. I want to explain to you these four chemicals because it's really important to your understanding of the way we work and what's going on in our lives and our world. There are four naturally occurring chemicals in our brains, hormones that transpire, that, that, that motivate us, encourage us, and challenge us. The first two are endorphins and dopamine. Now, you may know about endorphins if you've ever been uh, an exercise freak. You may still be, all right? Endorphins are what kick in when you're exercising and you're feeling this great pain, but you're able to push on through and you kind of get this touch of endorphins and it makes you to keep on running or to keep on working out or did you know you actually when you're laughing have you ever have you ever laughed so hard that it hurts 
All right? Well, endorphins are what you get when you're laughing like that, and then you find out later, you got your sore right, right along your belly because you've laughed so hard. The endorphins helped you overcome it. Endorphins are what help moms have babies at the end, right? That God gives you a rush of those. Now, dopamine, dopamine is another uh, hormone that's in your, you're in my body. And this is what happens when you and I make a checklist, you know what I'm saying? You make your grocery list and you're going through and you're checking them off. Did you know you get a little bit of dopamine? When you get that checklist completed, this is why on your day off, when you've got the list of things to get done and someone say, well, how was your day off? And you go, it was great. I got my list done. That's because all day long you were getting a little bit of dopamine. See, it made you feel good. Now you need to know this. Okay. That, that dopamine, you also get a little bit of it when you drink alcohol, when you drink alcohol, it gives you a little bit of dopamine, makes you feel good. You also get a little bit of dopamine when you gamble. Oh, yeah, man. When, when, when you gamble and you win, you get a little dose of dopamine. That's what gets you hooked on it. That's why we call it dope. Did you know that this will freak you out? When you hear your phone ding and there's a message on there and you're like, no, I'm busy. I can't look at it. I got, I got to look at it. That's for the dopamine. Every time, every time you get it, how about this? You're having a bad day at work, things aren't going. So you send out 24 texts all to your friends with the two-letter word, hi. That's because you're hoping one of them will text you back. You just wanted a little bit of dopamine, man. Listen, the problem with these two, uh, the two ones at the top, they're selfish hormones. And the truth of the matter is they're highly addictive. That's why if you, if you start drinking alcohol as a teenager, we can, we can project that the odds are high that you will be addicted to alcohol as an adult because you, you like the feeling. The problem is this, after you're done with that drop of dopamine, you you level back out and you realize, well, I just did that to feel good. It was just about me. And it's selfish, okay? Now, what's cool is these last two, serotonin and oxytocin, are different. These are the community hormones. And this is what happens. I'll tell you from my own life, all right? I remember when I graduated from graduate school and I got my master's, all right? I remember what it was like because on that day, I'm walking through the line. Yeah, and Billy Graham's there to shake your hand and they're handing you your diploma. You're, you're now got your Masters of Divinity. And I'm so proud. Now, I feel pride, but guess what else? My parents feel pride. They're there because they're like, yes, I thought he would never get out of school. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Kids are walking across the stage and they've got their diploma and they go like this and they'll see their mom and dad and they'll give them one of these. And, 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 and why are they doing that? Because they're saying, I couldn't have done this without you. You are part of this too. It's just like, just like in the, in, in basketball, when, when, when you, when you make the score and you point back at the guy who fed you that, when you and I are, it's, you get a, a dose of serotonin when you win and the team wins and everybody wins. This is why we have Letterman jackets. See, 
You may have gotten the letter, but you're part of the team and you feel good. You're part of the team. That's serotonin. Now, oxytocin is the other chemical that you feel that has a community kind of thing. And this one kicks in when you feel a part of a community that makes you feel safe. All right? When you, when you know, like, you get a dose of oxytocin when you just walk into grandma's house. Because you know it's safe. You're at home. You're loved. Ladies, when you have that baby... And they, and they give it to you and you hold it up close. You look down at the baby and you go, sweetheart, I will never, ever leave you. Mama's going to always be here, right? The reason, the reason you're saying that right then is you're getting a dose of that oxytocin. You're like, I, I, I'm going to take care of you. And you're getting some of that. And the baby is getting it. That's why the baby is calming down because they feel it. These are the... God designed you and I for these hormones. But this is the problem you and I face. We live in a world that has become addicted to the selfish hormones. And we're feeding ourselves on that. We, we, are, we are feeding ourselves on the selfish. I'm not telling you the selfish ones are bad. They enable you to push through pain. They, they enable you to get a task list done. They're good. But you've got to realize a life lived on them alone is a frustrating, unfulfilling life. But a life where you, where you do for others, you start to get these hormones and you feel good about yourself. But, you, 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 but do you see how important this is? If we understand the way the chemicals work, we'll, we'll, we'll begin to ask ourselves, am I seeking out things that are just selfish, that make me feel good about me? Or am I doing what's right for everybody? And the reason, the reason that Johnny Bravo could do the what he was doing, the reason that Captain Swinson could do was because they knew I'm a part of something bigger than me. I'm doing something that's more important than me. I'm a part of a team. And you need to know something. When you're part of the kingdom of God, when you're part of the church, when you're part of God's people, you're part of something bigger than yourself. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. I'm preaching. You guys should be amen. All right. Look at this. I want to bring it home to you. You know this story. You've read it. This week we've been reading through the Bible. We've been reading through the Gospel of John. And, and this is right where we are today. It's the story of Peter and, and, uh, and Jesus after the resurrection. Remember Peter on the night that Jesus was betrayed? He denied him three times before the cock crowed. He was like, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And, 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 and then Jesus comes to him and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he's, he's dealing with all this shame, all this regret because he denied him. Right here we are. Verse 17 of chapter 21. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, ladies, let me help you out here because this is a typical man conversation. A lot of few words here. Peter 
when Peter looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter was actually laying out a principle about who God is. See, God is sovereign. God is powerful. And God knows all things. You and I, we hit a bump in the road. Something, something bad happens to us. And you know what we interpret it? Well, God must be doing this to teach me something. God's, you know, testing my heart. No. God doesn't have to test your heart. He knows your heart. He knows if there's good stuff in there and he knows if there's bad stuff in there. Now what God does do is he puts us in situations and circumstances so that we can see our heart. When, when, when your child cries, it's because something you said, you see a little bit of your heart. And on this day, when Jesus is looking into Peter's Peter's eyes, Peter gets it. He's like, Jesus, you know my heart better than I do. And what I'm telling you is this, I love you. And Jesus looking back at him said, I know you love me. And I wanted you to know that I know that you love me. That's why. Feed my sheep. See, when Jesus said, feed my sheep to Peter, he was saying, I trust you. I believe in you. I know you love me. You can do this. It doesn't matter what happened a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. I love you. You're part of my team. And let me tell you what. Jesus was trying to help feed him those chemical hormones, that reality that my kingdom is greater than the mistakes of your past. If you will believe in me, if you will follow me, I will give you a new future. Let me tell you something. That that bond sealed up. That commitment went completely strong in Peter. And for the rest of his life, for the rest of Peter's life, he spent his whole time, all his energy saying, I love you, God. I'm going to help other people know about that love. Because that's what you want. That's what I want. My heart is your heart. That's what commitment is. Commitment is... One heart. One heart. And God is the one that gives you that heart. So, when he looked at Peter, he was saying, Peter, you're forgiven. And he's like, okay, I receive that forgiveness. Now, for some of us here today, I want to ask you this question. Have you received God's forgiveness? Quit carrying around your load. And just know he's forgiven you. And then number two, repent. Stop doing that which is wrong and begin to move forward. That's all Jesus was saying to Peter. Okay, leave it behind you and let's move forward. Get to feeding. And you can do that too. I can do that. All right, here we go. God, thank you for designing me and forgiving me. I repent of looking for temporary fixes. God, I trust you, and I fix my hope, everything on you. I choose to lay down my life. I am committed to your exceptional way, Jesus. In his name, amen. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. 
join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word. You ever think about praying for church attendance? Let's pray that the church would grow. Let's pray for church attendance today. Lord, we we thank you that when you spoke to Peter and the disciples, you said that you would build your church on the principle that you are the Messiah and that the gates of hell would not prevail. And we thank you, Lord, for your church. We thank you that your church is meant to be a growing, vibrant group of people that are set apart and holy, pleasing to you, different from the world. And God, your church, we have to be honest, it's, it's had a lot of pushback recently. It's had a lot of obstacles set up, and, and some of us have begun to believe that it might be optional. But your word says, your word says clearly that we're not to forsake gathering together, that we are not to somehow think it's unimportant to meet together. So we're praying today for your church, yes, to push back the gates of hell. We're praying for your church to preach the gospel. We're praying that when we when we go to church, we will worship you. We will worship you in spirit and truth, and we will read your word. But we're praying that the church would begin to grow in attendance. Lord, that we would see new believers baptized because... That's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. We, we go through the waters of baptism. Lord, we pray that your church would be filled with the Holy Spirit and power to be witnesses because that's what we see in your word. Lord, we're praying that the church would become effective at, at caring for widows and orphans and those in need because that's what you said was righteous. That was right. That was just. Lord, we pray that your church would gather in their homes. We pray that they would invite their friends over, but that we would also meet publicly. We pray that we would meet in these these big spaces so that the whole community would know that your church is alive and vibrant and real and that we have the truth of Jesus Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name, bless your church. She's your bride and you love her. May we make ourselves ready for you today in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide, but you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com and give us your email address and get your prayer guide today. Your Next Step is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 
888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time for Your Next Step.